Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Media Boat Podcast, your weekly episodes on us talking about movies, TV, music, and video games, not necessarily in that order. My name is Mike. His name is Matt. My name is Matt. His name is Mike. Thank you for joining us today on a fine November the 21st, 2023. This is episode 410 of the Media Boat Podcast. And like you said, we're going to talk about all that stuff and more. Uh, So let's jump right into it. Yeah, a lot to talk to you before we start talking turkey on Thursday. And before we give you the 411, we got to get through the 410. (laughs) It's true. So let's start, as we always do, with the music section. Start the music section with the billboard. Start the billboard with the Hot 100. And it may be the end of November. (laughs) And it may be past August. But Cruel Summer by Taylor Swift is still your number one song. Coming in at two. Lovin' On Me by Jack Harlow. At three, Paint the Town Red by Doja Cat. Coming in at four, Snooze (laughs) by SZA. And its companion piece at number five, Is It Over Now? Taylor's version by Taylor Swift. I ask that every time my snooze alarm comes up. Is it (laughs) over now? Uh, As for your album's chart, you have Billboard 200. Coming in at one. Rockstar, all caps, by Stray Kids. At two, sliding down, 1989, Taylor's version by Taylor Swift. (laughs) Coming at three, higher, by Chris Stapleton. At four, for all the dogs, by Drake. And rounding out your top five, One Thing at a Time, by Morgan Wallen. If you like any of those albums, that's okay, because it's Thanksgiving week, so you're not going to be listening to music. Yeah. But in case you're not ready for Christmas music just yet, we have new releases. Well, technically it's releases, because there's two of them. Yeah, uh, two of them. Yes. Blockbuster by Busta Rhymes. Makes sense. And Nowhere to Go, But Up by... Guided by Voices. All right, let's get some music news. And hey, it's the music bits because there were four stories. Yeah, so not a whole lot of bits for a bit section, but enough bits that I had to make it a bits. Yep. (laughs) So we start with Spotify uh, making some updates regarding streaming royalties, streaming royalty policy, including eliminating payments for songs with fewer than 1,000 streams. That's us. I don't love that. Um, Obviously, that means that it gets even harder for small independent artists to get paid before their big like careers take off and they get discovered. Mm -hmm. Um, A couple of other parts, uh, things, moving parts are part of this, like including they're trying to crack down on uh, Spotify tracks that are just sound like r- the, the example they gave was like rain on a ceiling they're trying to crack down on those getting like a billion like royalty payments for what they deem is not artistically of note um, so- I'm sorry oh. for listening to rain on a ceiling tile <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not you. my oh, favorite it's but I know it's someone awesome's favorite <laughs> <laughs> 
that's true. There's a whole audience of small children that are way into it. Um, so yeah, again, just another move that Spotify is doing to make it even harder to make money using their service, which sucks. Womp womp. I mean, especially like if you record it yourself, it's like, hey, I produced this. Yeah, you'd think, but hey. Yeah. Uh, moving to the other side of the world, Shakira was in a lawsuit. Notice. Yes was because she has reached a deal with Spanish authorities to settle her tax fraud case. Yes. Earlier this year, we found out that Shakira had been accused of tax fraud in Brazil, I believe. Um, So this is ahead of that case. She has decided to settle. This suspends her, uh, her time that she would have to serve. And it also, she has to pay out seven, $7 million, I think it said. Um, or 70 million euros to be clear uh, which is less than what she owed I think she owed, was said to owe 14 uh, but she paid the settlement pays out 7 so she got off a little less harshly than she would have if it had gone through the entire uh, court case and they had had a hearing and everything uh, she decided just to nip this in the bud now I mean 7 million euros is still nothing to sneeze at then again, that seven million euros that she saved by not paying taxes. <laughs> paying taxes, yes. Well, allegedly. 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 That's the thing about a settlement, is that means that neither like neither side is guilty. Here. I thought you have to plead guilty in a settlement. For a settlement, I'm actually not sure. I don't think you have to admit wrongdoing in a settlement. I think a settlement's a settlement. It's just a deal that happens in lieu of a of a decision made. I, I guess it's part of the writing in the settlement of yeah. you have to plead guilty. I I, I don't or think like that you have written it out. Yeah, I don't think you use that terminology. I think it's just that you can't necessarily say either way, and you definitely can't say I definitely didn't do it. You know what I mean? Like I feel like it has to be like little ambiguous, and it doesn't matter after that because the settlement's a settlement. So look out for Shakira's next book, Taxes, Everywhere, Everywhere. <laughs> Something like that. Wherever, whenever. Wherever, whenever. That's at. what I'm thinking of. <laughs> yes. <laughs> close. Very close. Very close. <laughs> anyway. Well, I mean, it's better than the other one that I've seen going around, which is My Taxes Don't Lie. No. Worse. It is worse. Anyway, speaking, speaking of things of, that are worse. Speaking of Brazil. And speaking of worse, yes. Taylor Swift was in Brazil. Yes. That's not the worst part. No. No. The worst part is the venue. As a fan in during her concert in Rio, unfortunately, had died prior to the start of the Ares concert tour. Taylor did issue a statement and postponed the following night show due to the extreme heat and circumstances of the death. Yes. So, as you alluded to, uh, talking about the venue, um, a lot of people have done some digging and looked into this incident um, beyond kind of just the boilerplate is a statement that uh, Taylor issued. Fan dies. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people have found out that the venue itself was kind of guilty of a few strange choices, included closing vents so that air circulation was more difficult. Um, there's a lot of footage of Taylor performing that night uh, where she looks like she's going to pass out because of the heat. It looked like there shouldn't have been a show that night at all. 
And the fact that there was still one, it put everyone in danger. So Taylor made the right decision the following night to pull out. The other wrinkle here is that it seemed like a lot was out of Taylor's control because of the touring management group that they were using over there. They made it very difficult for Taylor to do something like postpone or cancel. Apparently working with them has been a nightmare. And there's been a lot of issues behind the scenes with Taylor negotiating with them about set times, being late, being, you know, like going over. It's been kind of a miserable mess over there. So this specific wing of the Eras Tour has been kind of a disaster. And I'm sure she's looking forward to getting away from this area as fast as possible. I mean, there is kind of a reason why bands typically don't travel to South America to perform a lot. I mean, it's nothing against South America. It sounds like the two culprits are, like you said, the venue and the touring company. Um, yeah, like they, you said, I did yeah. see a lot of online chatter comparing this to other events uh, that the venue yeah. had put on, whether it was concert or sporting events where, like you said, closed events so people outside couldn't see in and also uh, limiting access to water. Yeah, in order for people, for in order to force people to purchase other Just beverages wanted. at the venue. Yeah, um, I mean, regardless of the choices that they made, ultimately, yes, the important part here is that yes, somebody a, a, a Taylor Swift fan unfortunately lost her life. Um, Taylor did uh, dedicate uh, "Bigger Than the Whole Sky" to her the next time she performed. That was one of her secret vault songs, and it was apparently a very tearful, emotional performance. And yeah, it's it's still sad. It, it's unfortunate due to the circumstances that this happened. And yeah, I think that Taylor will be much more clear with her team and whoever she's working with from here on if she believes that the crew, her, the fans, anyone is at danger, the show will not go on. So. Yeah. Uh, unfortunate, but I mean, the show does go on. Unless you're Sean Combs. Yeah. Who, Mr. Diddy himself, was accused of diddying. Um, accused of sexual assault against the, the artist Cassie. Yes, and it's worse than just that. Uh, the alleged yes, case. Yes, uh, the, says... um, the, was it not the lawsuit, but the uh, charges. Yeah. Came with an explicitly tag warning. Uh, when yes. it was released. Um, according to Cassie, uh, she alleges that this actually took place over a decade. This wasn't an isolated incident. This morning, uh, Rolling Stone wrote, uh, rolled a piece out uh, that had okay. more details with more allegations from other sources, kind of bundling them all up into one story, kind of. Yeah, it doesn't look great for Sean Combs right now. Um, and yeah, it looks like his legacy is now going to be a little questioned um, as we kind of see a different side of him that maybe that we had previously. I mean, it happened to Justin Timberlake. It's now happening to Sean Combs. Any other 2000s artists we want to throw in there as well? I mean, that's the thing is that you like fame, fame cannot block you from, you know, having these horrible things that you've done uh, just disappear. Like, it's not cancel culture. It's just, hey, beers, like, you have to own up to things that you were responsible for. These people should be able to speak up about this. And yeah, it's important that this conversation is had. Uh, and it's finally happening. So there you go. 
Yeah, I mean, we don't think we need to get into the actual charges. They're out there online. Like you said, Rolling Stones yeah. wrote a long article on it. Yeah. All right. So, did you listen to anything amidst all that news? Uh, no, not really. It was kind of a busy week, as you might imagine. Um, so I did not have time on Friday to listen to much of anything. Like I said, I've been listening to rain sounds. So, again, <laughs> sorry about that. Not it's not just you. Don't worry. I don't put the entire blame on you. <laughs> All right, let's move on then into video games. Yes, where we start with new releases. And just like the music, only a couple of things coming out this week. Only two. Uh, we start with Irem Collection Volume One for everything. You got it. You can play it. I bet you didn't know. That's a collection of games developed by Ira. What? I know. Really blows your mind. Again, volume one indicates multiple volumes in the future. There might be more. Otherwise, you call it like a definitive volume. <laughs> or they do this and then just leave everyone on read or on play waiting for <laughs> volume two that never comes. <laughs> To be which is a soundtrack, which is either, either type of a good album or a good <laughs> song, waiting for a volume two that never comes. <laughs> <laughs> Write that down. Keep it for later. You never know yes. when you're going to need it. <laughs> um, we also have Wordless for everything. You got it. You can play it. I don't know what that is. I don't think it's just Wordle. I hope it's not just Wordle, but who knows? Wordles. <laughs> Wordles. <laughs> As I'm sure someone would read it. Wordles. Yeah, Wordles. All right. Anyway. Let's get to some video game news. And we start with, hey, didn't I already play this game? <laughs> didn't we just play this game? Or actually, to be fair, I played like two hours of it and gave up. But <laughs> Right. We have two. The Last of Us Part 2 um, is apparently coming back. Already. So... Following earlier leaks, Naughty Dog has officially announced The Last of Us Part 2 Remastered for the PS5. The game, which will be released on the PlayStation 5 on January 19th of next year, 2024, will also receive a physical deluxe edition, aka the WLF edition or Wolf in the game, um, will, which will include a steelbook display case, four enamel pins, a Washington Liberation front patch. Uh, that's, that's where the WLF comes for. from. Got it. And a total of 47 Society of Champions trading cards, including eight holographic cards. Uh, Naughty Dog also confirmed that PS4 owners will be able to upgrade to the PS5 version of the game for $10. Uh, saves from the PS4 game will also carry over into The Last of Us Part Two Remastered. Yes, so that's the good news, is people like us who have already spent the $60 on the original one do not have to pay more than $10 to have this version. Mm-hmm. So... I mean, it's an easy way to get $10 from me. I'm probably not going to do it, but yeah, you can do it and tell me how it is. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, wait. So is this owners of the PS4 version of the Part 2 Remastered? Yes. No, of the game. Of Part oh, okay. 2. That's my read, is that it's a $10 upgrade path. It's similar to what they did with the PS5 version. Well, actually, that's a good question. Because when they did PS4, PS5s, you could upgrade from that game for $10 to the PS5 version. So I'm, that's what I'm thinking this is, is that it's going to release for both Last of Us Part 2 Remastered for PS4 and PS5. Well, no, because it says released on PS5 and not PS4. So this is a right. PS5 that's release. That's why I'm thinking it has to be the original that you right. can upgrade because what else? Why would they put out a PS4 version of Remastered? It came out on the PS4. That's what I'm saying. For the PS5. But why would they do that? So, no, I. 100%. Because they figured out how to run the PS4 better. No, I 100% bet. No, this is not. They mean people who bought Last of Us 2. <laughs> Someone write in and, and tell us, but I'm pretty sure I'm right. Because, yeah, that would be really stupid if you had to buy a PS4. <laughs> if they even put out a PS4 version of Remastered. Why would they do that? To make money. Okay, yes, I have confirmed it. <laughs> I confirmed it. I mean, it obvious question gives an obvious answer. <laughs> if you own, for existing owners of The Last of Us Part Two on PlayStation 4, you will be able to upgrade to the digital version of Remastered for $10 at launch. And all okay. saves will come over. So no, you do not need to buy a $60 copy to enjoy the remastered if you already have with part two. Okay. That'll... Do I still have to play as Ellie or can I skip straight to playing as Abby? You have to play it chronologically. However, I understand that there is a mode that makes this kind of a roguelike, which is fascinating, but I will never touch that. <laughs> anyway. All right. That's there, um, I guess. Speaking of things that, that we'll never touch. <laughs> well, you touch it. I'll never touch again. Fortnite. Yes. Um, so Epic Games is hyping plans to end Fortnite's well, no. current season yeah. with a spectacular live event called The Big Bang. 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 Yes. Bang. A quote from them. Evolving all things as you know them, this promises to be an unforgettable event featuring a memorable reveal towards the end. End quote. Uh, Supporting parties of up to four players, the Big Bang event will start uh, this upcoming, sorry, will start next Saturday December 2nd at 11 a.m. Pacific time, 2 p.m. Eastern time. Um, And this, quote, this event marks a new beginning for Fortnite. Unlike when they did Chapter 1. Unlike when they did um, Fortnite OG. Unlike when they did um, Season Pass. No, this is a brand new, new, new beginning. (laughs) Uh, Quote, the experience will be available in the Battle Royale tile on in Discover 30 minutes prior. So you can jump in before the event starts to gear up with any of your cosmetics. Uh, prior to the event's announcement, uh, Fortnite leaker Hypex claimed it will uh, feature Eminem, the musician. Yes. 
Lego, <laughs> the bricks, and rhythm and racing modes. I love that you noticed. If I just say M&M, they're going to think the, per- the brand of chocolates. So I need to specify, no, Eminem the man. Yes, Eminem the rapper. Yes. Well, the the singer rapper, not the rapper not of the candy. The candy rapper. Not the candy rapper. You don't Although, call him the candy a song rapper. called Candy? I don't think you can call him the candy rapper. He'd get very angry at you. I don't think well, if Eminem that. comes out with a song called Candy, does that make him the Eminem rapper? the candy rapper? Yeah. Could, I don't think he's going to want to do that, but... So anyway... About the story. Um, <laughs> anyway, this is not a M&M story. So to be clear, this is not anything that's replacing uh, Fortnite. What this is doing is they're expanding even further out into making Fortnite a platform instead of just a game. They want this to like more modes to for people to go to that aren't playing the battle royale part. Part of the uh, road up to this and kind of a smaller news story that happened in Fortnite this week was that they've now started flagging certain items for certain modes and what i mean by that is i guess looking forward to making some more family and kid friendly zones in fortnite they're going to prevent some items from going into those family friendly zones including like swords that look too violent or characters that are from franchises for adults for example um this suggests that they're going to do a whole lot more variety of different things you can do in fortnite some for kids, some for adults, some for maybe building Legos, some with a rhythm game component. They do own harmonics. Don't forget that. <laughs> so it's like stuff like that, where like it seems like they're going to make Fortnite a destination where you can do all sorts of things, as opposed to the game you play Battle Royale in. I mean, how difficult would it be to do Fortnite The Fall Guys Edition? Not difficult at all. Um, the thing is, is that Fortnite's already ha- does already have a mode where you can create your basically your own mode. So some fan already probably has made a, a Fall Guys equivalent in Fortnite. Wait, if you create your own mode, isn't that just Roblox? Uh, yes and no. It's not as robust as the features in Roblox. Uh, you can't do quite as elaborate design work as you can do in something like Roblox. But again. That might change with them introducing more more creative tools, more and kind of spreading out those tools and democratizing them, which could happen. So, so we're just going to get into a point where it we're talking about Fortnite, and you have to ask, wait, yeah, the shooter, part? the racer, right. the rhythm, or the lifestyle. All I all I all I would say right now is if that if the rhythm thing is Rock Band branded, I am going to be so angry. That if they decide to bring back the Rock Band brand and it's in Fortnite and not another game, I will not be a happy camper. I'm just saying that right now. But you you have the Ariana Grande skin. It's perfect <laughs> for it. There are no Ariana Grande songs in Rock Band. Uh, fun fact. Yet. Yet. Maybe someday. Christy would love that. <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, this, that's basically what the story is. So I guess we will find out on December 2nd exactly what these new modes are, what they've like, like what you can do in them, if there's more stuff that they're going to reveal. Uh, so yeah, I'm curious, definitely. I might check this out, depending on what it ends up being. All right. Uh, but we will wait for two weeks, the following Saturday, the first Saturday in December, for that big reveal, the Big Bang reveal. 
the Big Bang. Where Jim Parsons comes out. Yes, I was gonna say I have a theory about this. That yes, Jim. I mean, they did just cancel Young Sheldon. What they're gonna reveal is it's no, it's like it's old Sheldon. He's back and he's in Fortnite. It's, it's now medium Sheldon. <laughs> medium Sheldon. <laughs> teen Sheldon. Oh God, teen Sheldon mode in Fortnite. Right. Anyways, anyways, have you been playing anything? Uh, just more fashion dreamer, although I've a little slowed that down a little bit over the last week for reasons. Um, not a whole lot other than that. I've been thinking about going back to wrap up uh, Mario Wonder before we do the wrap up lists because, uh, yeah, uh, that number one is uh, on my list is getting contentious. I have a Three games kind of duking it out and trying to figure out who's going to reign supreme. So we'll see. Well, I have a new contender to add to my list. Oh, well, it's not new. You knew it the whole time. Well, yes, I knew it would always be a contender, but now that I have completed it and streamed it for everyone yes. to watch over at twitch.tv backslash media boat, uh, Spider Man 2. You're done. Officially completed the campaign for it and most of the side quests as well. Cool. Um, I just have like four other side quests, like last minute things to do, and then some spider bots flying around somewhere that I gotta hunt down. Other than that, I have beaten and pretty much uh, going to platinum within like the next playthrough that I do of Spider Man 2. Platinum within reach, it is technically within reach. Yeah, it's within one thwip reach however long your whip goes <laughs> uh so final thought should we do our final thoughts here or at the end of the year because i know i'm going to be talking about this game at the end of the year it really depends it is on that how good much, yeah i mean it really depends on how much you're going to re uh, repeat yourself i mean if you want to say some general things here and go more in depth later or vice versa it's up to you um i mean the game's been out for a month it has taken me quite a while to complete it life happens when you're not playing video games turns out sometimes turns while out. you're playing video games yes uh for some people uh and as such you kind of need to prioritize like what's important like is it video games is it your family is it being spider-man is it saving the city is it tending mm -hmm. to your wife slash girlfriend yeah. who are two different people or sometimes the same depending on who you are but that's also the same thing that happens with Spider-Man 2. Um, both Peter Parker and Miles Morales, the two characters you play as, have that struggle of trying to identify of what they want to do and be kind of beyond Spider-Man. What is the legacy that they want to leave behind? And then that comes in bringing in with both Venom and uh, Sergei, a.k.a. Craven the Hunter. <laughs> Sergei Kravenoff, Craven the Hunter, of the idea of legacy of one under Craven being a legacy of a big game hunter wanting to find the biggest game and that of Venom who is trying to take over the world to heal the world in his legacy. It's interesting how they framed that device of Venom trying to heal the world by becoming a symbiote and everyone assimilating to him saying that I have found the key to healing everyone. And that's just everyone assimilating into me. It's a job I don't want to do, but a job that needs to be done. Whereas Craven is, I have a job to prove that I am the 
biggest hunter, the baddest hunter, the best hunter, to leave this legacy of etch my name in history. Yeah. So uh, that's your villain side of it, whereas your hero side of it is Miles Morales trying to decide what basically goes up with him, like trying to write an essay about himself for college, a college admission of who am I? What is my legacy that I want to bestow upon or what is bestowed upon me between both his family and the responsibility of being Spider-Man? Mm-hmm. And then you have Peter Parker, who has the legacy of I've been Spider-Man. Do I want to continue being Spider-Man? Is there something more I can do outside of being Spider-Man? So lots of different things running through here in this inter-sequel. Mm-hmm. And I say inter-sequel because at the end, they tease up two big reveals. Well, one not so big reveal because we've seen it coming over two episodes or two games. And then one big reveal, which if you're not into comics, you may not know what it is, but you can easily look it up what it is. Um, into what would be Spider-Man 3 game. Um, and even that weaves a tangled web of both uncertainty and awesomeness as some of these different plot threads throughout the games all tie in together. Um, As I said in my initial thoughts about it, that's one thing that I really liked is that when you do like at the end of either like the chapters or like a couple chapters, you get this big mission where you get the two Spider-Man teaming up Mm -hmm. and you kind of switch back and forth. That all comes to a head at the very end when you, you have both Spider-Man fighting Venom on two different fronts. Technically, three different fronts because Mary Jane is in there <laughs> uh, who actually does something and is not just trying to sneak around like an active component in this. And that's one thing that they took criticism from the first game where people didn't like the Mary Jane missions and actually applied it here where they actually made her actually mean something at the end and say yes. It's not just a runaway through everything. It's, hey, we're going to give you actually something to do, something to complete, and you're going to feel satisfied that you've completed as someone without any spider powers before we just thrust you into being both the overpowered Spider-Man that you've come to power up over the course of the game. Right. And so by the end of it, did what do you think? Are you looking forward to ultimately what they would do with a third game? Like, do you think that it that it kind of hints at what that might look at, look like? I guess. Uh, so there's two, two to three main villains that they've already teed up as to what the end of the next game would be, or who would be in the next game. That being of Carnage, because symbiote. That being <laughs> of Doc Ock because he was from the first one and still around, and that being of Norman Osborn who has yet to fully take on the mantle of the Green Goblin. But by the end of this uh, Spider-Man 2, you see that transformation from the first game where he's skeptical about Spider-Man and as he becomes mayor, where Spider-Man is saving the city, so he's taking his thunder away as mayor, to Spider-Man 2, where Norman is essentially, by the end of it, is very at odds with Spider-Man because of each tried to convince him to save his son, but did he? We don't know. Uh, coma is a funny thing. 
when you say, hey, his heartbeat's faint, so he may or may not survive. And we're just going to leave it at that because we don't know if we actually want to bring him back or not. Mm-hmm. So it's all—it's one of those mystery boxes that we'll find out in the third one. But my guess is that he's going to die in the beginning. And then that will set off the chain reaction. That is him or Norman Osborn becoming the Green Goblin. Mm-hmm. That being said, there are comic book instances where Harry Osborn has become the Green Goblin or Hobgoblin. So hmm. it could be that way where he starts off with the Green Goblin and it turns out it's Harry Osborn, Spider-Man or Spider-Man adjacent Miles Morales or whoever ends up killing him. And that leads to the creation of Norman Osborn, Green Goblin. But that's all Spider-Man 3. Talk. We're here to talk about Spider-Man 2, though. <laughs> yeah, I was but, just curious since since they finished it, and that's kind of even, it seems like the conversation right now is people are trying to figure out, like, what comes next? Because, like, you've already done two games now in the same map equivalently. You've added to the map mm-hmm. in two. What can they do to make it more interesting? Because it's kind of like, you get too big and it might be, you might have an uh, a Batman Arkham City problem where like people are like, eh, I liked it better when it was a more focused experience. Um, so yeah. But this, do you think they achieved a balance in two? Do you think like it's a good like size and action balance? And you didn't feel like you were too all over the place? Um, I did feel at times that I kept ping-ponging back and forth across the map. Um, but that's one thing I never actually took advantage of, which is the swapping of the characters between missions because you can swap between them no matter what like at any time however i never did that because it felt natural to just let the story progress as i was doing it and so i missed out on a lot of like cutscenes of just them doing everyday things before taking control of them as spider-man yeah also missed out um like i did with the first game missed out on a lot of the um fast travel items or fast travel cutscenes it's not even a cutscene. Uh, that's actually one thing that I really want to praise this game on, is that in the map, when you do a fast travel, it sits you right into it. It's not even a cutscene, um, much right. like they did with because um, Insomniac, the Ratchet and Clank um, game. Um, let's say Fractured Butthole, but that, uh, yeah. that Rift Apart. Right, that's it. The other butt joke. <laughs> was actually saying Rift Apart, where transitioning to the different planets was fairly instant same thing here where you're going from an up from a hud map straight into swinging around a spider-man uh great great use of the ps5 great use of its power with the ssd and just getting right into the action um yeah it's it helps like that goes a long way i'm sure it does but also like it i did that mainly at the end because like during the game I want to swing around Spider-Man. I want to fly around a Spider-Man. I don't want to like just hop around quickly to everywhere. I want to enjoy getting in and around the city. Mm-hmm. And yes, also picking up just about everything along the way, but that's beside the point. <laughs> <laughs> it's just they, they make being Spider-Man fun and web fluid in his movement. <laughs> Gross. I don't want to think about web fluid. Yeah. Anyways, okay, so Spider-Man in the books for now, at least. 
Yep, it's in the books for now, and I will open up that book again and talk about it That's towards the end of the year here in a month. Fair enough. All right, cool. Well, then, if that's the only thing you played, I'm guessing, um, anything else we need to talk about? Yes, that's the only thing I played. There is new stuff out um, from the PS Plus and PS Plus Extra. I did not get to any of it, but they're there. All right. Cool, then. We can move on to the second half of the show, then, which is television. And we always start the television section with the Sports Corner. Your big headline was something we've been talking about which was inevitable uh, for the last couple of months, which of course is Shohei Otani is your MVP in the American League, and he's the first player in league history to be nominated twice for MVP unanimously. The other well, not nominated to win. Oh, sorry, to win. Yes, that's more important, isn't it? Uh, yes. To be uh, well, uh, it's an honor to be nominated. <laughs> Suck it all. There's only yeah. one winner. Only one winner, and it was Shohei, a well-deserved MVP win, so he is now two under his belt. On the National League side, it was Ronald Acuna Jr., so I can pick up the phone on that one. Uh, he established the 40-70 club with 41 home runs and 73 stolen bases on his way to a unanimous National League MVP selection. So a good season for the both of them, I would say. Yeah. And because they were in two different divisions or um, conferences, they were both unanimously selected. Yes. Unlike when we've seen before where right. you have two great players in one division and you can't get the unanimous vote or you have to debate. Is it the wins of a replacement that matters or is it just the straight up home runs that matters? Right. Looking at you, Mike Trout and Miguel Cabrera. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah, good to see Shohei earn his flowers before we find out what team he ends up on, which would still happen at any point. So, uh, yes, but now that you yourself. get to write to his contract, you must pay me for two-time yes. AL MVP award. Indeed. Elsewhere in the Major League Baseball award season here, a two-time Cy Young Award runner-up, Yankees ace Garrett Cole, Earned the hardware in 2023, so he has another side. Young. So did his mustache. So did his mustache, indeed. And the Padres' Blake Snell for the second time in his career as well. No, not Smell, Snell. Oh. S-N-E-L-L. The all MLB first and second teams will be availed, unveiled on December 16th on MLB Network, wrapping up this postseason award season. So... And those all MLB teams are fan voted. So get your votes in. Get your votes in. So, yeah. Um, Also, your favorite team might have some um, uh, management shakeups happening right now. So pay attention. Uh, And, yeah, it's it's a fun time in the postseason. All sorts of weird changes happen. Also kind of waiting for that first big free agency domino to drop. Yes. We're all waiting with bated breaths, you know, where, where all these guys end up. You'll find out pretty soon here. All right. Moving on to the National Football League. The Eagles are still flying high as they lead every team 9-1. to Thursday has, of course, the Thanksgiving games, but there's also a Black Friday game this year. Yes, because Amazon Prime complained about it last year. (laughs) 
So when you're done shopping, come home and watch some football, I guess. Or don't because it's yeah. uh interdivision uh AFC East Miami Dolphins versus the New York Jets. Ugh. Yeah. So if you're not so if you're done spending your green, you can come home and watch two green teams play. <laughs> the green teams. Yeah, and then be green because you feel sick while watching the Jets. <laughs> no, you see what you do is that you then spend what little green you have left yes. on daily fantasy to try and get more green to spend <laughs> on more holiday Christmas shopping. Yes, to ignore the bad football that you're watching. Yes. Hey, anyway, I, I can I can say that. Zach Wilson will not be throwing a pick because he is getting benched this week. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's at least nice. That's a a, a a pro in the pros and cons columns. So there you well, go. is it a pro or is it a con? <laughs> Makes you think right there. <laughs> Meanwhile, in college football, rivalry week before conference championships next week, the top five teams remain unbeaten, so it's anybody's title. Yes, except that uh, the Ohio State and the Michigan, State. both are defeated, will have to play each other at Ooh. some point before bowl game selection. Both teams are undefeated. Should one or both of those teams fall before they play each other, there's like four, like nine and one teams just waiting to like take that last spot. So every game counts you gotta go unbeaten uh in college football just to secure your spot in the college football playoffs well there you go so we'll see what happens before the bowls begin to get filled with delicious tostitos salsa we now move on for an unprecedented second week on the media boat podcast sports corner cricket update hey this is the world cricket championships here yes it's true well, India. it was. It ended. Yes, has gone. Had went nine zero in group matches with ten straight wins. Australia won. Or sorry, with ten straight wins, Australia wins the uh, the cricket World Cup. Oh, so, wait, wait, hold on. You skipped you the first word there because these numbers don't make sense. Oh no, they totally make sense. How does India go nine to nothing when they only when they and somehow also have ten straight wins? Where does that tenth win come from? In the semifinals. Okay, is that not counted in the normal count, I guess? Well, no, because they went 9-0 in the group match stage. In the group round match Robin. stage, okay, and then won again in the semis. Yes, to get to the Got finals. But Where Aust- they lost! Yes, but that's why Australia was your ultimate winner with nine straight wins. So congratulations. Yes, they started out to started in the whole 0-2 and then ended up winning nine straight games all the way through to the championship. I mean, I don't know about you, but but when I think about cricket, I think about Australia. Well, it's funny because India was the host country. Yeah, you and they crazy. literally went undefeated up into the finals and rightfully blew it in front of their home crowd. You you hate to see that. Like that's embarrassing. Well, if you hate to see it because as we mentioned prior, they were dominating. They went undefeated. They're the only team to go undefeated. Nine straight matches on a roll in your home country. Walking into the finals like, all right, whose wicket do I got to smack to <laughs> to take a cup home? 
<laughs> I'm always asking myself that. You're always asking who's wicked do I gotta smash? Yeah. Anyway. Let's not talk about crickets. Anything else in sports hey, to talk about? Yes. Uh, congratulations, Australia, <laughs> uh, for winning the cricket ICC Cricket World Cup. Indeed. Your trophy's in the mail. Is that what you're yeah, for? Trophies. <laughs> pick it up. Come pick it up. Anyway, uh, anything else in sports? Um, hockey continues to hockey. Basketball continues to basketball. Yes. The NCAA tournament continues to have different floors every night. <laughs> yes, I love those floors. <laughs> anyway, but that's pretty much it. Otherwise, kind of just waiting for the holiday games and bowls to come very, very soon. So hold on to your hats, folks. Meanwhile, let's move on to television news. And our first story takes us to a galaxy far, far away where a man is We're finally so- giving... Yes. Where someone picked up the phone. Yes, where a man is finally getting the job that he's been auditioning for a decade for. Mr. 20 years, Dave... two decades, two yeah. decades for. Mr. Dave Filoni is expanding his footprint in the galaxy far, far away. The longtime Star Wars creator has been named Chief Creative Officer at Lucasfilm. Filoni will now be involved in the early development on Star Wars projects, working with Lucasfilm head Kathleen Kennedy and head of development Carrie Beck. As announced in April at the Star Wars Celebration, Filoni is currently developing a live-action feature to direct, one that is said to tie together the time period between Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens, and presumably featuring characters from the Disney Plus show. I'm guessing. Quote, I'm not telling people what to do, Filoni said of his new role, but I do feel I'm trying to help them tell the best story that they want to tell. I need to be a help across the galaxy here, like a part of a Jedi Council, almost. End quote. Nerd. Anyway, hey. so yeah. Filoni <laughs> is, uh, yeah, kind of in the, um, would you say he's kind of like the equivalent to what, what Tim Gunn is, Tim Gunn, uh, James Gunn is doing over at, the, at DC, kind of just an overseer to make sure everything meshes well everything's connected and this they get more focused because that was the word that Iger mentioned last week which is Disney needs a new focus going forward and this helps yes it's also why Kevin Feige and Marvel got mm-hmm. yes. added, had added up chief created officer as well yes. that there's one person in charge to help usher in the stories to make sure that not only are they all connected but that they're all leading somewhere yeah um, and Dave Filoni has done just that. Uh, I mean, I want to say that this long overdue promotion. I'm sorry. Uh, let me take my um, nose out of his There's rear end for a second. No, it was a fly. I was not, uh. I'm not judging you. <laughs> um, I agree with you. There was just a fly in my face. <laughs> anyway. Anyways. Uh, seeing as this did, like, was announced in back in April that he was going to be directing his own film, and then here we are, five months later, yeah, finally getting named a uh, chief creative officer. Makes me wonder if hey, they may have been courting someone else to try and fill mm-hmm. this role, or it just came down for Bob Iger saying, Hey, we need someone, I want you to hire someone. I think, and then they went to con- John Favreau and said, Can you do this for us? And John Favreau was like, No. Now, if I was like, no, I want to make more movies right. that are not that are outside of Disney lore, go get the guy 
who you keep trying to pass up on. Yeah. Also, I do feel like the temperature on John John Favreau has kind of chilled a little. I think people were largely disappointed with where the Mandalorian went. Mm-hmm. And so I think that Filoni has slightly better reputation with the fans than maybe Favreau does right now. Especially coming off of Ahsoka, which yeah. was highly rated amongst fans. Not only that, it actually set up uh, heir to the throne storyline, right. which, according to most people online, is where this um, story is going to take place between Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens of heir to the throne, who is who basically who took over in between the fall of Darth Vader and the rise of the first one republic first republic <laughs> what's that guy's name uh ryan, ryan tedder uh, ryan tedder <laughs> uh but yeah i mean now that they got their big bad from ahsoka in uh admiral thrall supreme chancellor thrall whatever the hell is gonna name himself next uh thrawn thrall thrawn um i'm in thrall he pulled his guy from the Rebels TV show right. into the live action and says, hey, I want to anoint him as the big bad. Yeah. So, once well, again, can... Dave Filoni taking his toys from the animated world yes. and saying, hey, come play over here in the live action world. I mean, if anybody has the ability to pull all this together and make it, sen- make it make sense, I think he's probably their best bet. But we'll see if he can pull it off. We'll see. If I mean, is he the best pet because he's been doing it for twenty years and has basically written the entire backstories yeah. already? I'll tell. I'll. I'll tell you though. It's the surefire thing, and 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 he can send me the check when he's ready. Just do Andor season two. That's all the fans want. Fans fucking love Andor. Okay. Yes, they give them more. Andor. Actually, they don't want him to touch Andor. You say whatever they did with Andor, just let them do it again. Yeah. Don't exactly. touch Andor. So yeah, just let them make another thing, just like the first thing, and people which will be they fine. they can do, because be Andor is the prequel to Rogue One, which is before uh, A New Hope. Well, so it has nowhere, okay. nothing to do in between give Return the of the Jedi made, and The Force Awakens. Okay. Then here, give the people who made Andor the ability to make something just like that about something else in the Star Wars and this, uh, 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 like Empire. The Star Wars universe, and then just the Star Wars run. Empire, yes, because yeah. it is an empire. Anyway, it is an imperial empire. Well, yeah, uh, all power to him. I hope he figures it out. Um, it's not the worst choice they could have made. So here we are. I hope it. I hope it works. Yes, but his first decree is that everyone has to go out and buy a cowboy hat. I'll be on it. Let me let me take care of that. Anyway, let's move on to our second story today, which is actually stories, because we have some Paramount bits. Just imagine that Paramount Mountain, instead of that dumb ad where it's all their franchise characters, it's just stories, just a bunch of stories on top of that mountain. And we're going to read them to you. Well, they may not even be good stories either. (laughs) Well, you know, they're, they're, they're there on the mountain regardless. First up on the mountain, NCIS Sydney made its debut back in November and since or on the 14th, I guess, we're still in November. Yes, that uh, was last it, Tuesday, by the yes, way. <laughs> yes. And it has amassed nearly 10 million total viewers across CBS and Paramount+. Plus. That's nearly double the live and same-day audience that the episode managed. Based on three days of viewing, NCIS Sydney is also the most streamed CBS network premiere ever on Paramount+. Plus. So it turns out 
that the Venn diagram of people who are subscribed to Paramount Plus and who care about a spinoff of NCIS is just a circle. Who knew? I mean, that's basically what they're trying to marry between these two circles is yeah. Paramount Plus and everyone who cares about NCIS and all the spinoffs and all episodes of all the spinoffs. So there you go. They found something I mean, that works for them. Hey, you know, it's all as if all their content should just be the stuff that they own. Well, I mean, that's what they've been doing for a very long time. So it seems to work out. Um, well, meanwhile, <laughs> until it's no longer there. <laughs> yeah. According uh, to a recent real good, and that's R-E-E-L good, audit of the catalogs for the eight leading U.S. streaming services, which in case you've been not paying attention, are Amazon Prime Video, Netflix, Peacock, Hulu, Max, Disney+, Plus, Paramount+, Plus, and Apple TV+. Plus. Paramount Plus has 830 movie titles available as of October 15th. As of October 17th, Paramount Plus had 2,302 movie titles available. What happened? You're skipping the years. Yeah, sorry. October 17th, 2022. Yeah, as opposed to October 15th, 2023. So this means... The Paramount Plus Film Library lost 1,472 titles over 363 days. That's a 64% drop, about four movies per day on average. Simultaneously, the Paramount Plus TV catalog increased 3%. What's happening here? So typically when these streamers were all set up, because they follow the Netflix model of just put all our movies out there. People want to come and watch the movies. That's what they did. Yeah. Turns out that's not really the case because with Paramount Plus being a Viacom network, <laughs> not just CBS, but also on Comedy Central and VH1 and the, that entire side catalog, that hey, people just want to watch TV shows. I mean, outside of like, Star Trek, which they own. Uh, but as mentioned, NCIS shows, Survivor, <laughs> The Amazing Race, Here's my Young Sheldon, Gross, all. Yeah, go ahead. Here's my question for you, though. It's interesting that your argument went straight to watching habits because that's not where my mind went first. My mind went to what's going on with the rights of all of these films? How many of these were kind of like, Yes, there are Viacom movies, but maybe there's another distributor. How many of these are just rights things that keep going in and out? Movies that come in like a revolving door and come back out. Deals that still existed for HBO where they end up on Max for a hot second until they end up later on Paramount+. Plus. You know, there's so much fluctuation with rights stuff. How are we to assume that this is Paramount pulling because nobody's watching it? As opposed to what I think is actually happening which is Paramount's pulling, whether it's because of money issues, licensing issues, or literally just because they're trying to like do weird discovery-esque tax write-off stuff and just pare down the library to save some cash. Oh, no, it's both. I mean, it <laughs> is... You're right, though. A chunk of it is the streaming deals and first... What do they call it? First string or second string? Yeah, something like that. That's at second videos on demand of life of pre-existing contracts that Paramount has right. with 
streamers like HBO, which was form, uh, formerly HBO Max, now Max, with Netflix, with Hulu, that now, like, hey, we're going to put this on here. But wait, we need to actually also, like, push these out to these other ones because of contracts before they come back in. Um, you're not wrong there. But it's but also... There's also no way of us knowing for sure. Right. All we see is the numbers here, and they don't look good. But you're right. I think overall, I think all of the streamers have had this moment uh, where they realized, oh, we don't... It's actually not... We're not incentivized enough to provide our entire library. It's actually hurting us financially, potentially, to provide our entire library. So they always launch with that. And then slowly over time, that library erodes. And we're just seeing it in real time here with Paramount Plus. It's just the newest kid on the block. Yeah, I mean, it's also, Max, the, the it biggest, there too. it's also the biggest drop-off that you could see within a year. Like yeah. you mentioned, it's 1,400 titles of 1400 movies that Paramount had yeah. that dispersed somewhere. It's not ideal and it's not great. It like leads a lot of people to those, you know, panicking and makes them buy a bunch of physical movies because there's no guarantee that just because a streaming service has something one day, it's going to have it in a year. In fact, 1400 movies just are gone that were there. So yeah, it's, it's bad. It's a bad vibe because I feel like, again, we've talked about it countless times here the promise of the streaming library that we were promised just is not, uh, is not, they didn't hold, hold up their side of the bargain at all on it. Well, on top of that, people, I mean, not people, retailers are <laughs> letting go of their entire DVD and yeah. backlog of catalog. It's, it's so yeah. physical media is on its way out as well. It's really trapping us in kind of a nowhere zone where it's like, you can't buy the DVD and you can't see it streaming. What are you supposed to do? How are you supposed to see these movies? Well, the companies don't care, and that's the problem. Anyway, let's are they supposed to care on. about the customer or just about the dollar? Hey, well, ask David Zasloff. I think he'd answer that question pretty soundly for you. We'll give you three speaking, million reasons why what to do. Speaking Wait, three, of three, three billion reasons, <laughs> right? Speaking of Warner, here's a story that combines Zaslav's Warner Brothers Discovery with. Paramount as the newest update in the ongoing South Park war between the two studios. Justice Margaret Chan on Tuesday found that Paramount didn't violate any state consumer protection laws because the complaint revolves around a quote, private contract dispute, unquote, that allegedly caused Warner Brothers Discovery to overpay for these said rights in the $500 million deal and quote, not conduct that has caused harm to consumers, end quote. She concluded that Paramount did not engage in what Warner Brothers Discovery called a, quote, campaign of verbal trickle of trickery, unquote, that muddled understanding of who held the exclusive rights to the series when it debuted South Park post-COVID and South Park The Streaming Wars on Paramount+. Plus. So, they're right. I mean, ultimately, this is the right call. The case needed to be defined more specifically, and they are finding it is just between these two. It is not a consumer case. The consumers really don't have much damage here. The worst case scenario was you have to potentially sign up for both Paramount Plus and 
Max if you want to see the entire South Park catalog, I guess. But I guess that wasn't a strong enough case for well, it's two different this cases. Scenario. It's right. does the South Park streaming films essentially uh, of post COVID and the streaming wars, do those count underneath an actual season of South Park, which is what <laughs> uh, which is what HBO Max paid for is the entire catalog of right south park the series episodes yes episodes these are specials these are one-offs these are not part of the episodic um seasons plus all the advertising they did for it said watch it on paramount plus not watch it on um comedy central not watch it on max it's there's clear to find. Come to Paramount Plus to watch the specials, the one-offs. So it's not yeah. uh so yeah, it's not like they were trying to trick consumers in, hey, I signed up on Max, but I don't get the specials. No, they made it clearly defined where to go watch them. Regardless, though, if you know what actually is happening, you might think this none of this makes sense because yes. Those the specials are essentially just four episodes crammed into each other. Mm-hmm. If they, it's no different from producing four episodes of the show proper, and it's a way for them to get it was a way ultimately for them to get make more money for making the same amount of episodes they were going to make in the first place. <laughs> so really, this is just an impressive grift um, that uh, Trey Parker and Matt Stone were able to pull off and screw over both two different studios in the process <laughs> it's kind of impressive while, while getting paid 900 million dollars <laughs> yeah it's honestly pretty impressive but um still yeah it's gonna be it's still gonna be an unta- a mess that they're going to slowly have to untangle bit by bit until eventually one streamer just gets all of it um but for now we still live in this weird dual world where you're saying like you said like the specials are on paramount and everything else is on max and it's just going to be that way i guess until they can figure it out or until the licensing deal runs out yeah which could happen anyway that will do it for our paramount bits which means it's time to talk about some television that we engaged in this week and one thing in particular which it's time for us to strip and take off. Um, no, we're not. We're not taking anything off. Okay, we're gonna strip and we're not. No, down we're and break stripping. down and take off <laughs> this unraveled cap of the mess. <laughs> that is the intro to Scott Pilgrim takes off. Okay, so let's let's pre- uh, prep everyone for this. It is impossible to talk about this show without spoiling it. So just know, I'm going to clap from this clap onward. If you have not seen Scott Pilgrim Takes Off and you do not know anything about Scott Pilgrim Takes Off and you are interested in seeing Scott Pilgrim Takes Off, do not listen to the rest of this this, uh, podcast. Please fast forward or whatever you need to do. No, instead you need to pause here. You go watch the original Scott Pilgrim versus the World film. Yeah. Directed by Edgar Wright. Then you can go and watch Netflix's Scott Pilgrim take off. Takes well, I'm off. just specifically talking to people who are sensitive about spoilers. They should not listen to this conversation. 
Yes, because but it still yeah. you should just go watch Scott Pilgrim versus the World because it's a really well made film. I mean, yeah, I, I would argue that anyway. Also, if you're you know if you have some extra time, go seek out the original books because I think they're also worth some time. That being said, the first thing I will say about Scott Pilgrim Takes Off is it is not a retelling of either the books or the movie. You would be surprised how many people seem to believe that they have been like that like twindled bamboozled yeah bamboozled or like somehow betrayed uh, that that's not the case i went into it knowing pretty much nothing and i was kind of surprised with the first episode how faithful the most of the first episode is to the plot of both the first book and also the film and so when the twist happens i was like oh that's what they meant when when in an interview Brian Lee O'Malley, the author of the original books and the writer, co-writer of this series, said it was going to be a different take on the series. He li- meant that as literally as he could have possibly meant. What it actually is, just so people know, is a show that acts as kind of a remix or a rebuild of sorts, a reassorting of characters that were in the original books and film in an alternate universe story that does not that happens in lieu of the original story taking place i think that's the best way to put it it's yeah because it's not a retelling no it's not a reboot no it's a reimagining of sorts sub sorts because it's important to the plot that some characters were there for what happens, more or less, in the original version of the Scott Pilgrim story. Somewhere in this universe, that does take place. But the twist at the end of episode one is someone is trying to prevent the events of the original Scott Pilgrim story from taking place on purpose. And they throw a wrench into the gears on purpose to stop it. And what you see for the most of the series up until the last two episodes is an alternate story with a lot of the same characters doing different things. Um, Yeah, it's no longer, I mean, technically, as the title says, Scott Pilgrim takes off. (laughs) Yes. Gone. As in, as in, he just just takes off. It's no longer his story. Yes, as in, he is gone for most of the series. And yes. I think ultimately that is the entire point of basically what they're doing here. So enough highfalutin like 10,000 feet view of what this thing is. Did you like it? I want to get your take on this because I have thought of, I've watched it twice now. I've done a lot of reading about it, done a lot of thinking about it. I wrote a very long thoughts post on the website, mediapodcast.com, if you want to take a take a look. Don't worry, only half of it is really the thoughts post. The other half of it is me getting very digging into very one very specific thematic thing that I wanted to dig into. So I'm done thinking about it myself. I would like to know what you think of this. Uh, so as you mentioned, uh, first episode, kind of beat for beat of like yeah. where the books go, where the movie goes. It's just beat for beat up until the end of that first episode. And then mm. it hits you like a gut punch and <laughs> it confuses you. And you're like, wait. Yeah, where are we going from here? And it makes you want to watch the second episode and see what happens, and then the third episode and the <laughs> fourth episode. It makes 
each episode gives you a fresh take on these basically the versus the world format the battle of the seven x's in what's no longer scott pilgrim's story but rather ramona flowers story yeah. of her how she not just battles but confronts more or less her exes because it's not scott pilgrim battling for ramona's love it's ramona flowers essentially battling for her own yeah i don't want to say autonomy because that sounds bad uh it's a little bit more nuanced than that but that's part of it but yeah you could I mean, argue it's... that the original story her arc is more about battling for her autonomy uh right this but is more, more so here because you take out the scott pilgrim of scott right. pilgrim versus the world yeah um so I like where they went with it. <laughs> uh, it yeah. was great. It was refreshing. I mean, having the original voice cast from the movie back here, mm-hmm. everyone's playing their part. It's like, hey, I like where this is going. Uh, I will say at times it did feel a little bit shoehorned in <laughs> some characters, uh, more specifically the uh, Gideon Graves and uh, sure. the Lucas Lee um, buddying roommate <laughs> scenario shenanigans they get into felt too too horned in for, for my taste uh which is weird because then there's the whole wallace wells being very shoehorned into the movie <laughs> but that's not the part that got me it's the roommate <laughs> situation <laughs> uh but yeah it's it definitely takes weird takes it definitely goes to places but it definitely has a lot to say about just like why do we hang around these people? What makes them our exes, and like how do how do people move forward? Like I said, um, and one thing that the movie didn't get to, one of the books didn't get to, was just can you just be friends with your exes? <laughs> can you just like hey, we had our time and it was fun, but we're both now different people, and we can move on and still be friends, yeah. and. That's one thing that I think shows growth between when the books were written, the comic mm-hmm. books were written, and now is that, yes, it's a different perspective, it's a different take. Yes, you have a new, essentially, protagonist in this, but it's also showing, I don't want to, I don't put people in people's mouth, but 20 years of therapy uh, <laughs> of this, <laughs> 15, 15, 20 years of therapy just to like hash it out from writing this to producing the movie to then picking it up 10 years later when Netflix says, Hey, we <laughs> want to create this, um, this IP. Do you want, do you have something you want to write about for it? Yeah. Yeah, I know. I, I, I agree with you. I think that um, ultimately this is the product of somebody who has grown a lot uh, since writing these original stories and creating these original characters and yeah, you see it in the, th- the subject matter. You see it in the lessons that these characters are learning. And you see it in just the base fact that they realize, oh, all of these characters are interesting in their own way. What would have happened if they didn't, if they weren't sidelined by this person with main character syndro- syndrome, as <laughs> we say now? Um, mm-hmm. When you take Scott out of the story, it allows a lot of people's growth to be more apparent and a lot of all these characters to go on their own 
in different ways. I mean, the best example of this in this series is Knives. In the Scott Pilgrim series, Knives Chow is kind of relegated to be, oh, well, she's the high school girlfriend who he shouldn't have been dating, who he strung along. The movie especially kind of drags her through the entire movie as just being an essentially an, a plot object that's either pining for Scott or angry at Ramona to the point where in Edgar Wright's original draft of the film, he, Scott was going to end up back with knives at the end. It tested horribly. Audiences rejected it. It's still an extra on the DVD if you're really curious. But it's a brutal watch because it doesn't feel right. It's like, no, that's not where the story should go. And yeah, <laughs> it's not. Um, but here, taking Scott out of the picture, Knives has a life. She pursues a career in the band in Scott's absence, has a musician-to-musician like musician -musician friendship with Stephen Stills, and is able to, like by the end of it, kind of own her own character arc. To the point where she even says when Scott returns, I'm kind of glad that you weren't around because it really helped me figure some stuff out. Space really does help sometimes. And she needed to grow. She needed time to grow. And in the previous version, Scott was always there. And she didn't have that opportunity to grow. And I think you can also use that as parallel for Ramona's story too. In Scott's absence, even though Ramona made it her goal to find Scott and find out what the mystery of his disappearance was, you're right. In the process of doing that, she also got to talk to her exes. All of them, except for the, the twins who are kind of used as kind of just plot devices here, but that's another conversation. Um, but yeah, uh, she she's able to have these really good conversations with, with Roxy, with Lucas Lee, and like determine why did what happened to us happen to us? Who was at fault? What was going on? And can we now have a regular relationship with each other going forward? And I think that all helps at the end of it. The end of her arc is choosing herself, ultimately. Choosing herself, accepting that she's made mistakes too, just like Scott has. And it feels really earned. It feels like even though... In the current timeline, she has only seen Scott one for one date. <laughs> it makes sense, though, because she is also combining with somebody with a version of herself that has seen the entirety of their relationship. Then she is able to accept, oh, no, I actually do love this person, but I am still choosing myself. And this is still something I want to pursue, despite the mistakes that we've made along the way. It's a really poignant moment at the end of the series that kind of really ties everything into a knot. Again, Storytelling you just can't have when 20 years ago, more or less, you were writing just about from the male perspective, a 20-something male perspective that kind of doesn't give this opportunity to these other characters, especially the women. And so, yeah, I wrote a little bit in my thoughts post about how it dovetails pretty well with a lot of modern remix or rewrites of previous media properties. I mentioned Final, Fa uh, Final Fantasy VII uh, Remake kind of does a version of this. The Matrix Resurrections from a few years ago does this a little bit. Mm -hmm. These are pieces of art that are commentary and are in conversation with the original works. And I think Takes Off works in the same way. It is its own third thing, separate from the books and separate from the film, 
that has enough crossover and references and things in common with those original two works, but does a different thing with those pieces. And I think it says a lot about the creator and it says a lot about the characters in making this new story with all of those pieces. Um, yeah, I, and that's not even to mention the stuff we haven't talked about, which is the amazing animation. Like, <laughs> this is one of the most impressive looking shows I've, animated shows I've ever seen. Like, straight from comic to screen. Yeah. Like, if you're saying, if you're somebody who's like, oh, I love the, across uh, uh, the Spider Man, the, 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 the Spider Verse series, give this a try. If even if you haven't, if you know nothing about Scott Pilgrim, because you're going to be like, oh shit, this is some of the craziest animation I've ever seen. It's that good, folks. It's that good at moments where I was just like, in every episode too, it plays around with art styles a lot. It plays around with um, with special effects, with 3D animation on occasion. It all just looks amazing. Like you mentioned, the voice cast is great. All of your favorites from the movie are back, including some surprise voices that I did not anticipate. Shout out to Will Forte. <laughs> um and yeah, and like and just and yeah, and the and the writing is just as clever as you'd hope something with the Scott Pilgrim name would be. It's just as funny as those other uh, Scott Pilgrim pieces of uh, media. Sometimes funnier. I really like that it manages to reference all of the iconic lines from the movie, but repurposed in different contexts. Mm -hmm. It kept happening, and every time it happened, I was like, "Eh, that's funny." Red makes you fat, huh? Anyway, but yeah, like I just thought it, they're having so much fun with what Scott Pilgrim is and what Scott Pilgrim could be and creating this very new, fresh feeling thing as a result of all of that. It's amazing that it got, it, it got made. It's amazing it exists, honestly. Uh, it must have been impossible to make. Like, it's just, it seems like such a love letter to fans, which is why it's so frustrating to me that there's a contingent of fans that are pissed off that it even exists. Like, well, I don't it's know just how Brie Larson's in it. Academy Award winner Brie Larson? <laughs> <laughs> I love saying that. Um, no, yeah, they're, they're not talking about those people. They can go, I don't know, watch Morbius again. Um, no, I'm talking about, I'm talking about, uh, or watch a Snack Zyder movie. Um, no, I'm talking about, like, this seems to be, I mentioned the fact that a lot of people are mad that this isn't just a straight adaptation, which, I'm sorry, maybe someday, but this is not that. And then, but the other side of it is I think a lot of people are like, oh, this doesn't follow the continuity. Like, this is not like, oh, these characters are acting out of character. Like, oh, Scott, like, Scott is, everybody's too nice to Scott here. He's, like, way worse in the other versions of this. And I'm just like, all right. If you go into this assuming that everything's going to be canon, everything's going to be super accurate, and all of your favorite things from the books are going to be here, you're going in for the wrong reasons. Just expect that this is a separate thing that exists on its own that just happens to reference things that have happened in the other two things, and you'll be fine. Just calm down. It's only a show. Just enjoy it on its own merits, and you'll be fine. Stop nitpicking it, and you'll have a good time. Well, also, if what you really like is those comic books and the way they were portrayed there, guess what? They're still there. You can go back. You can read them. It's yeah. not rewriting it. It's this is its own story. This is its own take. Well, its own takes yeah. off, but this is its <laughs> own version of the story from 
Brian uh, Brian Lee O'Malley yeah. that he wrote. He helped co-write this. Yes, this is from the man himself. It got to the point where he had to put on um, his Instagram story basically a breakdown of reacting to fans' criticism, criticism which is saying that he co-wrote every episode that. He literally was in there rewriting dialogue to make sure that he felt like it was in character enough for these characters in this world, and that he wasn't told to do anything by anybody, any studio mandates or anything like that, and that he believes it is a separate parallel universe kind of thing that doesn't obvious that is going to miss some details from the other things just on purpose. It's not meant to be a carbon copy. It's not meant to be a sequel, a continuation. There's going to be things that are going to be different here than they were over there. There are characters that do different things here, and that's fine. That should be okay. You should be able to play around with your own characters, with your own universe in ways like this and not get, like, yelled at on the internet just because you're not doing the exact thing that somebody wanted you to do. And I'm glad that they were able to make something creative and original here because it feels creative and original. In fact, I think it's probably the best thing, the best Scott Pilgrim thing now. I think I'm satisfied with saying that. And I love the books and I, I love the movie. I think they all do certain things really, really well. But for me, this is the perfect balance of humor, of action, of visuals, like, like spectacle and of emotion like like an emotion like poignant like thematic stuff i think it's the best balance they've set over all of those things it's just a fantastic eight episodes of television pointing something out are you saying this because you've had 10 years of hindsight (laughs) and 10 years of growth between when you first consumed it 10 15 years when you first consumed the, the the medium whether it be the comic book or the movie to now that you yourself have grown with it and it's not someone who's just picking up going from comic book to movie to show, like all within like a year or a month. I mean, obviously, I take in my own biases. Like everybody is going to come into this with their own baggage, with their own interpretation of the work, with their own relationship to the work. So you're not wrong. Like I do have the perspective of somebody who has followed these things as they've been released, which is not going to be everybody's perspective. I would be really curious to see if somebody watches this first and then proceeds to see the movie, and then proceeds to watch them, or to read the books. I'd be really curious to see what that take is, because I feel like everybody's going to have a different experience with it, depending on whether they've done these things. Um, that being said, it's not, even though it it works best with you be able to reference the other things or understand the references to the other things, I could also see this as an introduction to these characters and what's interesting about these characters. Uh, just it just might be a little bit like you're kind of lost at sea a little bit. Hey, that's a Brian Lee O'Malley joke. Um, or more like, hey, that's an Edgar Wright joke. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, so yeah, it's like, well, no, I was saying lost at sea is literally the first of his graphic novels. Okay. Yeah, sorry. Anyway, <laughs> too specific reference. Um, but yeah, so like you're going to get a little, you're going to feel a little lost if you don't get it. But I do think that it's an interesting jumping off point potentially for somebody. Somebody might just stumble upon this because they like watching anime on Netflix. And you know what? All power to you. You're still going to have a good time. Um, but yeah, I had a blast with this thing. I am happy as a fan of the franchise. I don't think it ruins anything. I think it's, if anything, it is a commentary and is an extension 
of a universe that I already love. So my message to the people that are freaking out about it and don't like, and, are, and maybe it's not for you and that's okay. You still have the other two things that you do like, or the other one thing that you do like, if you didn't like the movie or vice versa. So like, you shouldn't be mad that a thing from the creator is not made for you, but there are going to be people who it is made for. That happens to be me. And I'm happy that they were able to creatively do something new with this thing that, that's so beloved to them. Game. What? Sorry. I'm, I was reading this quote over uh, from <laughs> uh, from a read uh, behind the scenes uh, from uh, Ryan O'Malley mm-hmm. of like how they came up with the idea of it. And the, the, the quote keeps staring me in the face of, uh, well, what if Matthew Patel just kills Scott Pilgrim? I'm like, where have I seen that before? Where have I heard that before? That is the plot of something. How can yes. I not think of it? And it's during the, the beginning of Endgame. <laughs> right. And I know that because I've listened to that damn commentary track on Disney <laughs> Plus so many times that why I couldn't think of the connection beginning is insane. But that's the beginning of Endgame where they had such a writer's block of how do you get rid of Thanos? Mm-hmm. And someone just said, what if we just kill him? <laughs> and they're like, can we do that? <laughs> What's the story you like after that? They're like, well, that's the story then. And that's exactly what this is. It's right. we're going to kill off the person you think is the most powerful, that you think is the most important in this mm-hmm. thing, and we're not going to make him the focal point. We're going to make it about all these other characters. Yeah. I do want to really briefly, before we wrap up this this conversation, I saw a lot of parallels between this and Remember when I watched all of the rebuild of Evangelion movies? Yes. <laughs> this has a lot in common with the rebuild series because they're both taking a thing that was very established, that had a huge fan base, and reimagining the entirety of it, introducing completely new plots, and rewriting what a lot of characters' arcs end up being at the end, and making a commentary essentially on what you believed back when you made the original thing and what you believe now. They're both doing similar things, and I want to say that probably Brian was probably watching those and thinking, "Let's do this," and that's what he did. Want what else did it? Voltron. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Voltron did also do this. Like I say, yes. like like I was saying earlier, it's like a very trendy thing right now, and I think it'd be easy to see a version of this that didn't work, but this is definitely one that works. And I think the reason why is because it's really thoughtful with what it's doing with these characters, and it's really. It's really thinking about what the intentions were and what it what it looks like in a modern light. And I think it does all of that without feeling heavy-handed, without feeling like it's trying to preach at you. I think it's all very impressive. And yeah, it's just it's it's an amazing thing. And just my last tip of the cap to whoever decided to call this. Scott Pilgrim takes off because it's wow, it's a great name. It's great <laughs> play on the words there. It feels yeah. almost as if it's a um, crossword puzzle. It just says takes off, and you're trying to figure out okay, what does that mean? Takes off. Yeah. Trying to fill in the words, fill in the gap there. It's just tip of the cap, just perfect. Send off. Great, <laughs> great naming. Very good. Now, uh, question at the end of it: Do you think there will be a season two? I don't know if I want a season two. Interesting. Okay. Because I feel like the way this wraps up is that you solved a lot of the major plot points. Yeah, you, you did. Ramona 
and Scott, yes, they end up together, but it's through choice. So to have a season two would be for them to fight the evil X organization, which you can't do because they just made up with everyone. Here's my pitch. Here's my pitch. Yeah. You do more of this, but remove Scott and Ramona and just have, don't have a linear story. Just have episodes about these characters doing things with each other. You've already reset basically the uh, the status quo at the end of this series. You do have villains, ostensibly, but like you don't need to focus on a villainous plot. I think you can have each episode of an eight of an eight episode season two just be, hey, let's talk. Let's let's see what Steven and Knives are doing now that they're like writing songs for pop stars. Meanwhile, let's see what uh what um. Kim is doing. I think what like, you hanging out with Holly. Like, let's see. I think what, what you uh, end up getting is a mix of strange alchemy. Of hey, what if we take like knives and Stephen Sills, and Matthew Patel joins the band? What happens then? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Is like what they've set up is now that they have a, so they've so established these personalities so well and made you really care for all these characters. Let's keep hanging out with them in whatever way that we want like how about like why do we have to have like you know cliffhangers there's no there doesn't have to be that big emotional stake anymore like you can have just fun slice of life stories and i'm sure that that would be a blast i could only go for that for one season because otherwise then it's if we keep going past that it's why are they constantly in each other's lives (laughs) don't they have lives outside of each other i mean hey that there's more stuff you can like explore there right like yeah yeah, that just saying, so long the Scott Pilgrim name. I'll be honest. It's the world. I'll be honest. I'm just being greedy. I just want more of this because of how good it is. And yes. if it ends up just being the one season, that's cool too. But like, I just like it so much. I just want it to stick around. I just want yeah, to hang save, out with Save it people. for your end of the year list. <laughs> oh, I will. Just me. <laughs> All right. Let's move on. We went long on that. Let's well, talk we about knew we were going to go long on that. I knew so. I was going to. Um Cancellations and Renewals is next, though. Let's what am I no longer watching? The seventh season of SEAL Team on Paramount Plus will be its final season. So that will technically get a split season because of the delay. So first half in February, and then the fall will be a fall finale. Okay. Good to know. Netflix went on a canceling spree this week. They have canceled Farzar after one season. Glamorous, G L. A, M, etc. You can't Not after one season. That name show. <laughs> Anyways, Shadow First of class yeah. out of the stream. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Shadow and Bone canceled after two seasons. Captain Ball canceled after one season. Agent Elvis canceled after one season. Ride canceled after one season. Oh, wait, on Hallmark Channel. We covered Hallmark? I guess so. NBC has said the third season of La Brea will be its final season. That will also get split between the upcoming year. Ah, And CBS has canceled Blue Bloods after 14 total seasons. I'm sorry, (laughs) not for 14 seasons? I guess so. There's a lot of Blue Bloods. It's a lot of Tom Selleck. But then last but not least, a show that Christy and I are actually currently trying to catch up on from earlier this year, The Muppets Mayhem. We'll not get a second season. It has been canceled after just one season on Disney+. Womp womp. Until it gets put up on Hulu. 
<laughs> yeah, maybe. We'll see. All right, renewals this week. Harley Quinn will be returning for a, fourth, a fifth season on Max. That's good news to hear. Unstable will get a second season on Netflix. Love Island will get a seventh season on Peacock, because of course it will. Unprisoned gets a second season on Hulu. Black Mirror will return for a seventh season on Netflix. And lastly, America's Most Wanted, the current reboot of America's Most Wanted, will return for a second season on Fox. But I'm sure if the host will return or not. Oh, uh, well. What are you going to do? And the fact that I couldn't name the host tells you exactly where they're going to change, exactly it, change why, it up. Yeah. <laughs> Turns out. All right, that's it for cancellations and renewals. And that's it for television. Uh, so let's move on to the movie section, where we always start with the weekend box office numbers. Your number one movie this week, The Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, with $44 million debut this week. Uh, saw a lot of people talking about, hey, they're on real sets, and these are practical things, like practical props, and like, wow, this movie looks like it's not totally CG. What a concept. Yes, but The Marvels, which came out the week prior, made six, $46 million. <laughs> well, what are you going to do? No one really cares about the Hunger, Hunger Games anymore, I guess, is the lesson we're learning here. There's no Jalen Jennifer Lawrence in there. Yeah, they're not. Number two, following that, is Trolls Band Together with a $30 million premiere. I guess that's probably a huge drop-off from the last Trolls movie, if I was to warrant a guess. You would be warranting wrong because the last Troll movie's Trolls World Tour went straight to Peacock. Oh, that's right. <laughs> that was the straight to Peacock one, right? Right. Or it was like in theaters for like two weeks, but then like the pandemic happened in 2020. Yeah, still, I'd imagine probably a disappointing start if you believed in Trolls as a franchise. Number three, Thanksgiving with a $10 million debut. That's that horror film. There's that. There's that horror film. Number four, The Marvels, with a $10 million uh, run this week, adding to $64 million. And number five... Not make 100 No, it's probably not going to make it. And then number five, Five Nights at Freddy's, with another $3.5 million, with an impressive domestic total of $132 million. Not bad for a Five Nights at Freddy's movie. And not then bad for case, a $20 million film. Yes, and in case you were wondering where Taika Waititi's next goal wins ended up debuting at, a measly $2.5 million way down at number eight. A womp way? Yeah. No, no. That number eight, you only get one womp. You only get one womp. It's a womp. That number just, eight. just one womp. Just womp. Just womped. Upcoming this week uh, is... Uh, well, technically, early uh, for Thanksgiving. Coming tomorrow, uh, as of this recording. Tomorrow, we have the three the three films that couldn't be any more different than each other. We have The Holdovers, which I don't even remember what this one is. Uh, Paul Giamatti's in it uh, mm -hmm. as a cranky oh, history teacher. I saw the trailer for this. Yes, now I remember. He's like the teacher that has a, like, and it's about him and his students and, like... Yeah, the students can't go home for yeah. uh, winter break, so... Right. They're, They're holdovers. the holdovers. Yeah, turns out. Then um, Ridley Scott's Napoleon, which he's been doing a, a weird interviews about lately, uh, getting really unruly and angry with the with the interviewers. It's been fun. Uh, he's, maybe he's channeling his inner Napoleon? Maybe. A little complex, if you ask me. Yes. And then lastly, 
Disney's Wish, uh, noted for being their 100th anniversary animated film, um, is out this week. Isn't it also their 100th animated film? That's a good question. I don't think it is. I think it just is the one that had the hype around it because it is their 100th anniversary year. Yes. Um, uh, starring Ariana DeBose. I wanted character. this to be. I wanted this to be so good, but it looks like it's not. Um, tra- early the uh, early reviews seem to be very mixed, leaning on the negative side. So mm-hmm. I'm a little worried about Wish. It, I l- thought that it looked kind of t- kind of nice, but I don't know. I may or may not see this depending on time. Um, but doesn't look good. Critically, so we'll see. And we blame who's in this? Chris Pine. Let's blame Chris, let's blame Chris Pine on that. I'd love to blame Chris Pine, but I don't think we can. All right, let's move on to movie news. Our first story is kind of a movie story. I'll give you the the, the benefit of the doubt because it does involve some movie companies. Um, it involves advertising. Yes, or rather, involves... the lack of advertising. A lack of advertising on none other than our favorite Bluebird app that's not a Bluebird app anymore, Twitter, or X, if you're nasty. Comcast, NBC, Disney, and Warner Brothers Discovery have joined a growing list of blue-chip advertisers who are pulling advertising and promotions from the social media outlet in the wake of a recent anti-Semitic remark posted by none other than the venue's owner, Elon Musk. A Lionsgate spokesperson said Friday that the entertainment company, quote, has suspended advertising on X because of Elon Musk's recent anti-Semitic tweet, end quote. The move comes as Lionsgate is marketing the release of The Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. Great timing. And it's, of course, latest film in the Hunger Games franchise. Oracle, IBM, and Apple have also all suspended their advertising on X. It is a mass exodus even more than it already was. We already had a lot of advertisers jumping ship after the Elon Musk buyout. This just furthers the hemorrhaging of advertising dollars on X. Elon's got to clean up his game or else it's no longer going to be a viable source of advertising income. It just looks dire. It's okay. They were expecting everyone to pay $8, remember? Yeah, not going to happen. Uh, but yeah, this follows a mass exodus. Um, you mean we're not really a tech uh podcast, but no. Apple with its current iPhone gets zero money uh from promotions <laughs> on uh Twitter X. Uh, movies like Wish, like the upcoming from Disney, the upcoming Wonka from Warner Bros. Discovery, the current um, what's it called? Uh, the Hunger Games movie from Lionsgate. Zero advertising money going to them. Expect layoffs? I don't even know if there are people still there to lay off. Like, it seems like he already laid off a bunch of people. I mean, how do you... I mean, it's a $10 billion company, right? (laughs) Theoretically. In theoretical money, right. (laughs) You know. Funny monies. I mean... He's got to be like at least smart to make a ten billion dollar nope. company. Nope. Oh wait, no, that's right, that's right. He paid sixty nine billion dollars for it. <laughs> Not nice. Nope. Anyways, yeah, it's a disaster. I don't know what he's doing over there, but do we ever really know what he's doing over there? Uh but yeah, so it does turn out. I don't know. It affects... I haven't logged in. 
we haven't posted. Uh, this also follows in last week's uh, uh, talking about how the the API yeah. for uh, Sony and Microsoft are no longer paying for it. It's all connected. It's all for the same reasons, is that he's acting like a clown on there and wondering why these things are happening. It's not hard, dude. It's not hard to figure it out. Anyways, let's move on to our second story here. Hey, do you like the Karate Kid? Because a lot of people seem to assume that people like the Karate Kid a lot. Wait, you mean the kid or the man? The franchise. Oh, okay. <laughs> Which one? The Ralph Macho version or the uh, Will Smith's son version? All of it. Maybe not the Will Smith's son version. Um, but yeah, because believe it or not, it keeps coming back. And now it's going to come back again. This time with both Jackie Chan and Ralph Macchio, who starred in separate Karate Kid films decades apart, if you recall. They are uniting for a brand new movie set in the same franchise. The new movie from Sony Pictures, director Jonathan Entwistle and writer Rob Lieber, will premiere in movies on December 13th, 2024. It's like a year from now. For premiere in movies. I, I, I meant premiere in theaters. <laughs> premiere in movies. Um, Maggio will reprise his role as Daniel LaRusso, who, of course, he played in the original Karate Kid film trilogy starting in 84 and was brought back in Netflix's Cobra Kai series. That is YouTube Premium Erasure, or YouTube Red Erasure, that started as a YouTube Red series. Yes. Anyway. <laughs> Meanwhile, Jackie Chan will return to his role of Mr. Han from the Jaden Smith one. It is unclear how the sprawling story of Cobra Kai will factor into the new Karate Kid movie. Chan and Machio have launched a global casting search for a brand new Karate Kid to lead the movie, inviting young actors to submit audition tapes to KarateKidCasting.com and... Don't do the thing I almost did, which is assume that the C in casting is also a K. No, it is Karate Kid casting with a C. Dot com. Yeah, um, <laughs> because that would be three Ks in a row, and you can't don't do, do that. that. You don't want to do that. No, you don't. Right. So yeah, all right. More Karate. Uh, but hey, I know someone awesome who'd be perfect for this role. <laughs> you just have to wait uh, nine, ten years. Well, I, I don't know if he'll be available for a December 13th release date. No, probably not. Maybe 2034? <laughs> yeah, there we what, go. What, are they rebooting this for a third time? Yeah, Fourth when time? they do this for the 10th time, he'll, he'll be ready. Um, let's see, let's yeah. see. Uh, the original, the reboot of 2010, the Cobra Kai version, and then this version. So this will be the fourth version. Give me the fifth version. Yeah. Everyone likes Rocky Five, right? Sure. Mm. Um, what I will say is I am not the audience for this. I am too young to have nostalgia for the or karate kid. That's an 80s thing. Uh, but I get it. Don't you have nostalgia for the 2010 version then? Absolutely not. No, I don't even think I I don't I didn't even see it. Do you have nostalgia for the current Cobra Kai series? No, because I haven't watched a single one of those either. It's on Netflix. You can watch the whole thing right after Scott Pilgrim. I'm not going to, but um, I'm sure someone out there is excited to see Karate Kid keep coming back because they've got to be making this for someone. And here's more. <laughs> anyway. Anyways. But enough about the Karate Kid. Netflix. Yes. Enough about the Karate Kid. You 
are getting a little ahead of the calendar here and starting the Christmas movie season early. Oh, wait, sorry. Those are not supposed to be pure. Those are supposed to be exclamation points. Oh, okay. My bad. Let, uh, let me change that in real time on my yes. screen as well. Because, because right. this we are talking about the best Christmas ever. Okay. What is according to Netflix? What is best Christmas ever? It is the new holiday themed movie over on Netflix. Okay. And this thing is a very millennial casting, <laughs> I want to say. Sure. Uh, okay, so the basic premise is that you know how people, especially around our age, send out holiday cards. Uh, attached to those holiday cards, typically, are the family updated letters of, hey, this is what we did over the course of the year. Uh, this is what's happening in our lives. This is what our kids did as a way to like get people to like, hey, I know we don't talk over the whole year, but hey, this is how you keep in our lives. Uh -huh. uh, so, what happens when you get that letter and they're like bragging about their kids in life and you're like, well, ho-hum. I bet it's not really like that. I bet they're just putting out this fluff <laughs> because my life isn't that good, so their life can't be that good. Blah, 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 it's blah, It's projecting. Blah. Very projecting, yes. Mm-hmm. So, what happens when you actually meet them face-to-face? -face, you take them up on their offer of, hey, stop by any time. Well, goddammit, I will. <laughs> and I will expose you for the fraud that you are in your Christmas letter. And how does that that's go? the story. And that's it? That's that's just how that goes? Yeah, that, that's, the that's the basic premise and setup for this thing. Okay. Um but it stars uh, some very recognizable 90s names in Heather Graham, <laughs> Jason Biggs, and Brandy. Wow. Yes, Brandy. that Brandy. Wow. Cinderella herself. Yes. Wow. Uh, so it's, that is your basic premise. That's your basic setup. But then again, there's also kids in tow. So you have the B plot line of, is Santa real? Does Santa can deliver our presents? We weren't supposed to end up here. Santa doesn't. <laughs> does Santa know that we're supposed to be over here? Like, who's gonna tell Santa? Cue kid hijinks of trying to tell Santa at the local um, open mall, open air mall, saying, "Hey, you know to deliver presents to to our house now, right?" It's like, yes. Wait, do you? Are you the real Santa? Cue hijinks. Oh, but then um, the husband, Brandy's husband, is also doing the uh, town nativity play. But he needs help. So he enlists the help of the family. Will they help? Won't they help? Will they get the nativity uh, play done in time? Who knows? Hijinks ensues. I could literally pull out a holiday bingo card and win blackout bingo on this thing. <laughs> Did you do that with Kristen when you watched this? No, but it does. You should have. But it's we're doing this uh, list of we're doing our own twenty five days of Christmas. Uh -huh, yeah, 
uh, for putting 35 uh, films into a bowl <laughs> and pulling one out. On oh, that's way. great. I love that. This was not on the list. Oh. This was just, hey, I'm putting on Netflix and the ad for it that like auto runs was interesting enough to say, okay, that looks dumb and holiday filled. Let's get into the spirit and hit play. It's 90 minutes. It's not that long. If it sucks, we can turn it off. Mm-hmm. Well, we didn't turn it off. <laughs> Clearly. It's just enough dumb comedy to get you through the holidays. And it's just enough dumb twists that make you go, oh. <laughs> but also the right amount of dumb twists to be like, yeah, that, that checks out for a holiday movie one of, one of slightly these. better than yeah. a hallmark movie <laughs> but not like instant holiday classic movie okay fair enough so you're now prepared to see uh mr santa himself uh cruise on down uh during the macy's thanksgiving day parade on thursday as i always tell my doctor i do not address any christmas related items yes. until santa claus comes down fifth avenue except for watching this movie Yes. <laughs> Except for the fact you just broke that rule by just watching and talking about best Christmas ever. Hey, I am telling you all that because apparently <laughs> after we watched this, I was on Netflix like two days later, and it was the number one movie for some hey. reason. So I'm not the only one watching this thing. Well, no. I think a lot of people get, you know, start Christmas earlier and earlier every year these days. So I'm sure everybody else is getting it for stuff. No, I'm even more hardline than you are. I am a December 1st hardcore where i'm like no november is its own month there are days after thanksgiving and that is still november it's not december it is november that's not christmas time december 1st is christmas time in my opinion well see like i say santa comes up to the but we all know he comes down at like 11 o'clock eastern three o'clock you know like whatever time goes yeah goes on uh but really it's the next day it's after the turkey we sit down we eat we have our pumpkin pie and then you can go shopping and prepare for christmas well some of us have to work on friday so screw y'all anyways um not that i can afford anything anyways um but that's another conversation (laughs) anyways well that's best christmas ever i guess well we'll have more christmas movies i'm sure to come but for now that is just the opening that's the 2023 new christmas movie so far I expect other Christmas things to happen. Um, there's also some Christmas like movies on that list that I haven't watched that are more recent, like last year's Spirited, right? And then um, the 2019 animated Claws. I've heard good things about that. Weirdly See, that's enough. why it's on the list. I saw yeah. like, that. I was like, "Hey, this is going to be good ratings. I should I put this on might, the list." I think we might do that one too this year because I've heard weirdly positive buzz about it i'm like where does this thing even come from so, well we got a list online but it also had stuff like the santa claus 3 and we're like okay let's uh, take that yeah. off and let's no. put on stuff we actually want to watch right no tim allen i think should be a rule <laughs> anyways all right well that will do it then because yeah we'll get to christmas movies more movies as the year gets closer to christmas but hey there's thanksgiving to celebrate this week we hope sincerely that all our media boat listeners and watchers will enjoy, if they live in the U.S., and celebrate it. Uh, wonderful Thanksgiving this week. If not, and it's just a regular week, hey, enjoy your regular week, too. 
why not? Like just enjoy across the board, whatever you're doing. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, but we, as a podcast, will be back next week uh, for another episode. And we will also, at the end of the episode of next week, we will have a reveal for our plans for how we are going to approach our December end of the year wrap up shows. If you're a longtime listener, you will know we do end of the year wrap ups for all our categories. We talk about the best of the year in movies, television, video games, and music, but not necessarily in that order. Uh, including a wrap up of all our news stories from the year, picking one news story to reign supreme out of all four. So, Tune in for next week for us to tell you about what we have in store for December. It's usually a month-long affair spread out every week for you. And uh, yeah, look forward to that. But in the meantime, enjoy your week. We'll be back next week with more news, more thoughts, more whatever, more Media Boat podcasts. So tune in then. Plugs. I forgot the plugs. I skipped a step. <laughs> if you want you to plug it out. <laughs> yes. When if you want to listen to us, we are on media we are media media book podcast on all our podcast services. You can find us anywhere. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, wherever, just search for us. If you want to watch us in video form, you can go to youtube.com, search media book podcast and find our channel there. If you subscribe to us, you'll get notifications every time we post a new video so tune in to that you can also find us on social media platforms like twitter or x at media boat cast you can also find us on facebook if you search media boat podcast twitch.tv slash media boat is where you can watch us occasionally play some video games you can watch archives of my playing through spider-man 2 right now if you go on to there and we're also uh, uh, available on MediaBoatPodcast.com if you want to see an archive of our episodes, as well as where our written thoughts are, including my most recent thoughts about Scott Pilgrim Takes Off. And then last but not least, you can email us if you have questions, comments, feedback about the show, anything at all, and we at MediaBoatPodcast at gmail.com, and we will read those emails and respond to them on the show if you do so. So that will do it. Thanks for the listening or watching. We'll be back next time and have some good times with your family, folks, friends, family, or even yourself if you like that. Like, hey, have fun. Enjoy Thanksgiving. Enjoy mm -hmm. the parade. Enjoy the dog show. And mm -hmm. enjoy online shopping. Because uh, we yeah. will be enjoying all of that and be back next week with more news, more thoughts, and more of us. Oh, yeah, and, and Giving Tuesday is apparently a thing, if you want to do that, too. I hear it's Giving Tuesday. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> like, today or next week? Oh, next week. It's the day after Cyber Monday is Giving Tuesdays. You're supposed to, like, uh, donate to charity. But also, it's funny, because it's like, it's Giving Tuesday. Yeah, okay, well, they can give to our <laughs> Patreon. <laughs> well, I don't even know if that exists anymore. All right, we'll go see find you guys out next week. Okay, bye. <laughs> see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.